Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Footwork. But before today's episode, we want to mention footwork.club is now live, the official Footwork website. You can check out all podcast content there. You can also check out our, the press, which we're very excited about, uh, especially a new article that's up there um, that we were very, very fortunate to get. That's 11 questions with 11 transfer, the new app that's taking the soccer world by storm, even dubbed the Tinder for footballers. So get on, download, find your match, find your club and more opportunities. And yeah, we're excited to uh, bring in today's guest. So join the club. So today we welcome Aaron Yenny to the Footwork Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us and welcome to Footwork. Thank you guys. Happy to be here. Amazing. So we, we've gone back and forth, but we finally picked, got a time to do this. It's busy schedules. And uh, we'll start off with um, our make your own path question. So that's kind of our motto here is make your own path, essentially meaning you follow your dreams and you're not held to the normal roots or the stigma that you have to you know, go to college, get a nine to five job, things around this area. So for you, does, does that have any, um, any meaning to you? And what does make your own path uh, look like in your life? Yeah, it's um, probably something that I've tried to follow for a long time, even before college, really. Um, I think I, I always had a, a strong sense of independence and like a desire to um, follow my heart and to follow my dreams and even just deciding where to go to college and what I was going to study. Like I, I wanted to study engineering because I felt like not many females study engineering and doing that while playing college soccer. I always just felt like I wanted, I wanted to forge my own path. Um, and so that has kind of taken me that, that theme has kind of, um, followed me for a long time and, and through my whole professional journey as well. That's great. It seems like, yeah, just from diving into your story a little bit, just to prepare for this, it seems like, I don't know, you were the perfect fit, perfect guest for us because it's like, you really <laughs> were out there with this resume, forging your own path and going places. And, you know, I can't wait to, to dive into them, but let's start with where you are now. So you're at in Turkey. So can you tell us about, uh, how that came about and uh, how you're settling in. Yeah, so I'm in Istanbul, Turkey. Um, I had been waiting for an opportunity to play again ever since COVID happened. And um, so this whole year really um, had been hoping something would happen in the, and this like a year ago, nothing did, nothing did in the spring, nothing did in the summer. And it was like a really challenging time and was, honestly like debating on if it was time for me to like put the boots up and maybe mm. this just isn't supposed to be my path and then um randomly got reached out to by someone putting together the first women's team for Fenerbahce um and I just felt like I mean I didn't know anything about it I didn't know anything about the league um it being a new team there's always unknowns there about how that's going to be, but I knew that obviously Fenerbahce is a huge club and very reputable and professional. So I thought that was a good thing. 
And after talking with with my my agent about it and the manager here who is actually uh, American and uh, now lives in Turkey and has a family here and played professional. She's she's a woman. I felt like, okay, this is this is an opportunity that's not just maybe all about soccer, but also an opportunity to be a part of growing the game and a, a region in the world that maybe hasn't gotten um, a lot of respect and attention and has a lot of potential. So um, for me, being a part of that journey and building that program was extra exciting. And then add add the part about being in Istanbul and mm. such a cultured and historic city was really interesting to me too. So it, honestly, just um, I just had a feeling like God was telling me this was the thing that you've been waiting for because it kind of yeah. fit a lot of boxes that that fit in a lot of other passions outside of just soccer. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like it kind of the stars aligned a little bit? I mean, I've I've read that you've you describe yourself as a spiritual person. So do you feel like all of those things kind of came together and this was this was the right moment? This was the right thing to happen at the right time. For sure. I, I really do. It's I was to say like the, the time waiting for the last two years to play professionally again was difficult is like I mean, it was really difficult and and um, just kind of fighting that the pressures from society and like Mm. your family, whether they mean it or not or whatever, just, um, it was really tough. And, but there was all of these things that I think I was supposed to be, I was supposed to not get to go yet. Like I was supposed to be at home spending time with my family for, for said reasons. I was supposed to be spending time coaching and giving back to the game by, by teaching younger girls. Like I was supposed to be doing all these things, which then made me even more probably prepared and excited and ready for this opportunity when it came, mm-hmm. um, adding like some, some health things too. Like I've always struggled with, with my iron and for the last two years, I've been trying to get that back up, which I don't know if you guys know much about that, but, but like, if you have low iron, you can't really perform like your, your muscles don't get the oxygen they need, um, mm-hmm. to perform. And so it, I literally got like blood test right right before uh I was contacted about this team like showing that I finally had it fixed and so I was like all excited like oh wow you know maybe I still can do this and and boom it happened so there's a lot of reasons that I think yeah it just felt like um a little bit like it was God's plan all along for me Mm. so wait and so and during that time though I mean I guess it's a little easier afterwards to see like okay this was meant to be this was meant to be but like you said, during that time uh, that you're spending at home without a contract, thinking, is it time to hang up the boots? That can be quite hard to be in the present and see it as that this is all part of the plan until it actually gets to that to that payoff. So like, how did you approach that mentally going day to day during this, this, uh, this time of uncertainty? Yeah, well, I think obviously we've all had to deal with and kind of confront that idea of uncertainty with COVID and how it's affected so many of our lives or all of our lives. And for me, I think, um, having to just let go was a, was a big thing, letting go of all of the plans that I thought I had or the way I thought things were supposed to be and just trying to be present and, um, and, and just being patient and letting, letting things happen as, as like, they're going to happen. And I think I, I had this really strong, passion that I knew I wanted to play again and that has like always been what's helped um keep me going and keep me 
just staying focused on on that goal but now that like went up and down at different times but um I think I I just yeah tried to let go of like the plan and um and just wanted to give it like another few months to see if something would happen and um yeah I mean but it, it was definitely very hard and um I didn't know if it was going to happen or not I just felt like I can always take something from this time like while I'm waiting and and it was I guess particularly hard because when you feel like you're not doing something productive then you feel like you're wasting your time and that's the hardest part of like well if if I'm not going to get a chance to play then then I should be you know figuring out what job I'm going to get or I should be I should be contacting these people or these people, or I should be figuring out exactly what I'm going to do. And I should be start trying to start that process or whatever. But at the same time, you feel like you don't want to do that because then if you do that, you put all this time and energy into that. And then something does happen, then mm -hmm. you feel bad. Like you have to tell these people, okay, never mind. Actually, I'm just going to leave. Mm -hmm. So that was the really, I think, mentally hard part for me this year was like, I felt very stuck. I felt like I didn't know what I should put my time and energy into because you just really don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think I just, um, I think I just told myself, you know, if I have some amount of time where I do feel like I'm in limbo, that, um, it's okay. And I tried just not to put a ton of pressure on myself and, um, was accepting of whatever outcome was going to, was going to happen. And then I would just, you know, take whatever step came when the time required <laughs> giving it a little bit of time and putting a little bit of a deadline on it too so yeah I love that though I mean you kept the faith and it's it's certainly to your point it's always that discussion of plan a and plan b and you shouldn't have a plan b because it distracts from plan a but it's also like you kind of need the plan b in case plan a doesn't work out it's it's a very difficult thing and I think um the mindset that you came to is is one that I think even in all this still in these times of uncertainty is something that people can take from 100 percent yeah absolutely so I mean you signed for Fenerbahce this this November um and I've seen the results and I've seen um I mean you've worked your way into the team right away starting uh center mid I love the way you play it's like that six eight that quick on and off the ball getting into the pockets of space um, I can't wait to watch a live game, but um, you've had some 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 crazy games recently. I mean, you guys played uh, Galatasaray very recently, uh, which was a 7-0. You played in the in the big stadium, huge crowd. Seemed like a great great time. Um, but there was also a lot of things that surrounded the match, including some some um, statements that you guys as a as two teams together. Uh, kind of came out came out with so can you tell us about that experience and um, bring us into that day that game and those statements yeah we um, with Galatasaray it was really our manager that I think it was her idea to because this was the first time that two huge clubs were coming together as women's teams both both of us are are the first we're the first women's clubs at, at Galatasaray at Fenerbahce for women's football and I think she took that opportunity to, to say something to society um, that needed to be said because there has been a lot of violence against women um, in Turkey and obviously around the world. And it was in um, like connection with the UN's 16-day um, campaign to end violence against women. 
So it was kind of around, that's like the timing fit to play the game for that, for that cause. And just the statement that it made that here we are like two new women's teams and we're coming out and yes, we're insane rivals. Um, but at the same time, we are all women and we're standing here together saying this, this is more important. And um, so that was really special, honestly, like the, the moment when we were all standing out on the field and holding the banner and standing there it was the very first game, like since I've gotten here to Istanbul, first professional game I played in two years, just standing there and holding that banner and like in that huge stadium in Istanbul, I was just like, wow. I mean, I was like, I couldn't believe that I was standing there. And I got to, I got to say that I got to play the game and use my game to say something that's so important. Um, so really special. Um, I think it being such a huge rivalry game, there's a lot of other emotions going into that game. Like we had to win that game, you know, because it was such a huge rivalry and um, it was just an awesome experience. And I think it um, hopefully meant a lot to people watching as well. Yeah, I can I can only imagine. I think it's something that maybe we're a little privileged to not see how serious the issue is being in the US and for you to take the step abroad. I mean, it, it must have been a real uh, just a, a crazy experience to just have those years sitting out and to, to come back and to be a part of uh, of something that was so important in your first game. Um, I can only imagine the emotions, like you said, coming to you just at once. And then, I mean, even in the in the game, I saw the two assists and you guys balled yeah. out. So, I mean, how nice was it to be on the field playing, doing what you love again um, with this big message, you know, that you guys presented and balling out? How was that? Yeah, it was a special night for sure. I think we all came out just guns a blazing and we had been in a camp that whole week and they our coaches and staff had prepared us for like battle and we were just so hyped and ready and then to get to go and have such a good performance as the first game and how much attention that that brought to women's football um a lot of people in turkey like didn't know that women played football i think honestly like when we would walk around in our fenerbahce stuff people on the street would be like, oh, you know, because there's Fenerbahce women's volleyball, there's women's basketball, there's other sports. They'd be like, you know, basket, basket, or like volleyball, volleyball. And then our manager would be like, oh, football, women's football. And like the look on people's faces sometimes was like, why do they look so surprised? Or like, why do they look so shocked? So I think just having a result like that, um, not only just for the Fenerbahce family, but for, for women's football or for football, fans in Turkey it was a huge statement um that I think got a lot of attention and it was a really good thing overall for for women's football yeah absolutely and from previous guests as well we know that abroad outside of the U.S. um yeah the culture just isn't there yet for women's football um we had Kim De Caesar who played at PSV in Netherlands a huge club and mm -hmm. Yeah, same same thing there. They had to. They were not allowed to use the same facilities. They couldn't see the same doctors. Um, Kylie Strom in Czech Republic, the same thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's 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 very cool to hear that you're currently uh, in Turkey doing this, and this is not the first time where you've kind of made progress in a country um, with women's football. Now let's go back to um, you're at Louisville, and 
are your plans to play pro after college? Is that, was that always the idea? It wasn't always the idea. Honestly, I, I, when I was really little, I always said I wanted to be a professional soccer player. And then I think by the age of 11, I think I, I didn't know that that was a real thing anymore. It's like, I didn't see that on TV or I didn't see people doing that. So in my head, I was just like, Oh, that's, that's not like a real thing. I can't do that. So I, I said, I wanted to be a chef then when I, from like 11 years old on. And then, um, and then it wasn't honestly until my sophomore year of college that I, that I realized that I could do that because I had a couple older teammates at Louisville that played um, in Finland and Sweden after they graduated. And so when I saw them go over and play and I was like, Oh, they did that. Like I can do that. And so like sophomore year, I remember thinking in my head, like I'm, I just knew after sophomore season that I was not even going to be anywhere close to feeling done with, with playing and with seeing how good I could become. I just like knew I had so much more potential to reach. And, uh, I just craved that so much, just wanting to push myself to be the best I could be. So it was, yeah, sophomore year that I decided I wanted to play abroad, but, or I wanted to, I wanted to play professionally. I think I also knew I wanted to go play overseas right away because I've always had such a huge desire to travel and live in other countries and learn about different cultures. So for me, it was like killing two birds with one stone. I was like, I get to go live in another country and I get to play pro like pro football. So for me, that, that was like, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And then where did your talent bring you? I went to Sweden um, after I graduated to a smaller town and then kind of northern part of Sweden called Ostersund um yeah it was pretty it was nice there it was it was warm when I got there and then it got pretty cold but it was a beautiful beautiful town like surrounded by water and mountains and stuff mm. it was pretty and walk us through that how was that you know and you're away from you're outside of the country now playing the game so that's something that you share obviously with your teammates but it's a different culture thankfully in Sweden the English I've heard is, is pretty good everywhere. Um, but how is that? How's the culture change? How is adapting to new life uh, in Sweden? It wasn't really too hard for me. I think um, soccer wise or football wise, it was different from college because at a D1 school like Louisville, we got everything awesome. You know, my yeah. senior year, we got a new stadium, one of the nicest soccer stadiums in the country you know, just all the stuff, uh, gear, equipment, facilities, manager, you know, everything. And so going from that to this small club is second division club in Sweden. You know, we didn't even have a trainer. We, um, our head coach wasn't even at every like training session. And just like, that was the hard part for me because my, my desire to play after college was because I wanted to, like, I wanted to get my butt pushed. Like I wanted to be coached the crap out of I wanted to be like challenged to no end and I go there and I feel like oh my gosh like I'm getting worse you know like I'm not being challenged enough and that was the hard part hardest part for me it wasn't it wasn't really like living in a new country or being away from family or friends like those things never scared me or you know being in a different you know around a different language it was yeah it was like that desire to just like I wanted to be pushed and um so I, I had a great experience there and that I made great friendships and um, got to experience a different culture and live in a new place and, you know, travel around Sweden and all of that was, was awesome. But I knew that I wanted to go somewhere else after that because it wasn't like,
like fulfilling that desire to mm -hmm. be challenged enough in my game. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's a big thing for players, especially coming out of college first, realizing that the things that you have in college are like what real professional teams have. So even if you're in the second, third tiers, Sean and I started low as well. So it's like, it's building up and it's managing those expectations or what you're used to. And then also, mm -hmm. you know, being okay with it. So I know it was a little difficult for you. Um, you wanted to be challenged. You wanted to get better. So that year, what were some of the things that you did to kind of help yourself out and just make sure that you were doing the things you needed to, you know, move on after that year? Yeah, I had um, a couple of other teammates that were also foreign um, who felt the same way and who were like kind of frustrated with the year. I got there the halfway point of the season and everyone else had been there for the whole season. So I kind of got there when everyone was already really kind of frustrated. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I kind of hopped into that group of like, okay, you know, we did extra training sessions ourselves and we were like, okay, well, clearly we're not going to get enough at practice. So let's like either come up early or like, let's stay after or we'll come to first session in the morning or we'll make sure we're doing our lifting sessions on our own and things like that. So it was good that I had, I wasn't alone in that either, at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, you knew this whole time that you would move on and you certainly do. Um, and I have to say, I, I don't think I know anyone who's gone from Sweden to Colombia. So I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. dying to know how that came about. And then, yeah, just tell us about the, the, the huge difference there must be from playing in Sweden and then playing in Colombia. Yeah. Oh, um, I don't, yeah, how that happened, like, we're bringing I'll you back. Honest with, yeah, I'll be honest <laughs> with you guys, like, I was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants, like, when I, when I got that opportunity, and that's why I, I, like, touched a little bit on this, but, like, my, my faith has been huge in this journey, because I feel like, literally, God has kind of, like, helped me each and every time, just, like, give me the next thing, somehow, like, I ended up, getting this and um I didn't have an agent when I got out of college I didn't even know I needed or I just didn't even think I needed one I was like oh, I'll just use connections and try to find something and that's how I got the thing in Sweden it was one of my college roommates her friends from high school who I had met in college who played um professionally for that club in Sweden I randomly saw her at like the indoor Louisville tournament the winter before I graduated and I was like yeah you know I want to play after I graduate she's like oh send me your stuff I'll send it to my team because she was just finishing playing. And like, that's the team I ended up getting to go play for. And then when I left there, I got back home in like November of that year. And I had no idea where I wanted to go. I was like, oh, reaching out to, I mean, I would spend hours like on Facebook and on the internet and on like soccerway.com, just trying to find like random email addresses and looking at like, okay, who, which, what Americans are playing on these teams. And let me like reach out to them on Facebook and find out, are they looking for midfielders? Like I would just like do that. And in my head, it was like, not even a question. Like I was going to play somewhere, you know, like I was just like, I was going to find a way to make it happen. But yeah, it was more maybe unconventional. I don't know. So I, I was in that process of looking and I randomly got a call from, or it was actually my assistant coach at Louisville who had reached out to me months before and said, Hey, any, I'm going to send someone was asking me about players. I just gave them your information. I hope that was okay. And I was like, yeah, that's great. And then it was like two months after that, I got a call from, from like some, someone in Miami, Florida asking if I wanted to play in Colombia. And I was like, uh, I don't know. I was like, 
can you give me some more information? <laughs> like, I didn't know anything. And so um, come to find out, it was the first year for the pro women's league in Colombia, very similar to my experience here in Turkey. First year for the women's pro pro team um, at Santa Independiente Santa Fe. So they're putting together this like what they're hoping to be all-star team to win the league and they wanted to bring over an American or two and so um I just I talked to friends that I knew that either were Colombian or had been to Colombia to find out like is it safe and if I live in Bogota in the capital like am I going to be safe or what's the life like and all of that stuff not knowing anything about how the level really was going to be either but in my head I was like well I haven't found another opportunity yet and this might be a great like opportunity to go and see a different style of football and um just like play a lot of games you know and just build up my confidence and all this stuff and I I get there and it's like I mean our team was stacked like we had national team players from Colombia Costa Rica Trinidad and Tobago um Uruguay um like we were we were stacked so and they had been there for a while already they'd been there for a month or two already in like preseason so by the time I got there um, they were like full go into it. So, um, that year I didn't even, I wasn't a starter. It was the first time in my life that I didn't start and play wow. every game, but that was a huge learning experience for me too. And, and humbling. And, um, but it, it did start to fulfill that desire to be challenged because now in training, I had, I had motivation to like, try and work my way in and, motivation to try and see well, what can I bring that's different to the team that that can stand out and and what does the team need and all of those things that I think helped me grow as an overall footballer too yeah so that's amazing. how it happened it was very random <laughs> that's amazing though I mean it comes back to I think I think especially in our realm like the soccer universe rewards those who are dedicated and just willing to just pick up and go anywhere just I mean, of course, ask your questions, like make sure it's safe. Uh, I would have done the same thing going to Columbia, but I mean, you're willing to, 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 to pick up and go and try something new. And I think that's what gets rewarded in this business. Do you have any, do you have any uh, specific memories that kind of stand out from your time in Columbia? I guess the biggest one would be our championship match that we played at the end of the season. Um, we got to play in, in our home stadium and it was like filled. We had 35,000 fans there. Wow. Um, I had just gotten injured. I hurt my ankle like two weeks before that. So I unfortunately didn't get a play, but um, just being there in that environment and, and we won. And so after the game, you know, obviously we like flood onto the field and we walk around the whole stadium and they do the whole award ceremony thing. Like, I mean, it was just, it was magical. Like I had never experienced anything like that. I'd never played it in front of that many fans or been around that kind of environment. And just seeing the support that that entire city, I feel like had for us as a women's team in, in a country also where they had never had professional women's football was, yeah. I mean, it was unreal. Like the support and all of that, that that uh, experience was amazing. That was probably like the biggest, but I think overall, just in Colombia too, I, I just absolutely adored my time there. And I, I love it. I really want to go back to Colombia. I just, I love the culture there. The people are so warm and they wear their heart on their sleeve. And um, I, I love, like, I love the Spanish. Like I really want to become fluent in Spanish. So I love getting to learn that. And 
um, just the people that I met there and the friendships I made. I, I just loved it. So mm, amazing. Did you spend uh, a full year there then? Did you spend two years there? How did, how did it end? Yeah. So we, that first year they did the season short because they weren't sure how it was going to go. And the Federation only invested like a, into a five, six month season. Mm-hmm. So I was there for, yeah, about six months. And then because we won, we were supposed to play in the Copa Libertadores tournament. And um, so we were supposed to only go home for two weeks and then come back. And when we went home, um, they told us like after a week we were home, they're like, oh, that tournament actually has been pushed back into like November or something like that. So we're not going to bring you guys back until August. And I got back in like end of June, early July, I think. And then um, they contacted me closer to August and said that because that year they, they could have seven foreigners, but the following year they were changing that rule to only have five foreigners. And so they said um, they weren't going to re-sign me. And they said that because of that, they're going to like combine the Copa Libertadores tournament in with next season, that they weren't going to bring me back for the tournament either. So I was like really sad at first and, and uh, just sad because I, I would have done so many more things before I left Columbia. Like I wanted to go travel, but I was like, oh, I'm coming right back. So mm-hmm. like I'll save to do all that stuff later. I'll go home and see my family. And then I left and um, this is like one of the times too, where you can look back and see for me, like God's providence and why I wasn't going back the time, like my grandma, who's my favorite person in the world ha- was, um, wasn't doing as well. And that summer I got to spend like every you know weekend with her. And, um, I also had issues with my knees and that next month I realized that I actually needed knee surgery anyway. So um, I had surgery on my knee and in October of that year. And um, when I came out of that surgery, I was like, you know, I was pretty defeated. I felt pretty defeated. I was like, I didn't know where I was going to play next. I felt really out of shape. I didn't know how I was going to get back to how I was. Um, And so I, yeah, I struggled for a little while and I, I really like, owe it to like my friends, my family. And then I have a trainer back home. Who's been the same, same guy that's been my strength trainer since high school. Um, and he, he like basically said he would help me get back into shape and like work me out. And so I, I'm going back to my high school weight room, like five days a week (laughs) with him. And, uh, I just kind of made that decision because I'd come in like a couple of times and he was just like, he could tell I was just not myself and like, I needed to be pushed. And so he kind of, I, I just made the decision. I was like, you know what, you know, Roberts, will you work me out and will you help me get back? And he was like, yes, I will. And at that point, then I just like made the decision and he became like my accountability person. And I, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I think without the support and moments like that from the people that care about you, you know, and for me, that was like, my, my family, my friends, my trainer that helped help me get through that time. And it was that decision and that support that led me to get into really good shape that next year. And, uh, I'm just like going ahead of myself now, but like, I didn't I'll know take where us I was there. I think go I know again. where you're going. Yeah, keep Please going. Take us there. yeah. I didn't know where I was going again. And, uh, like January, end of January was coming into February. And I had a conversation with my college coach, um, from Louisville. And she was like, Yenny, why don't you just go to the NWSL open tryouts? Like, 
what what could you lose you know like the worst that could happen is that they know your name because I I just said you know I didn't ever really know how I would stand up against the level I'd just seen it on tv sometimes and the league was still new and still growing but I was always like oh I wonder you know how I would fit in there and just only playing in Sweden and Colombia and so I I was like you know what, I don't have anything else to lose and I don't know where I'm going. So I decided like, I think on Friday night, like 11 PM that I was going to go to the tryout in Chicago that Sunday. So like the next day I just like drove to Chicago and I decided to stay with my cousin and went to that open tryout. And then the next week I was like, I'll go to the spirit, the Washington spirits. Cause they're the two within driving distance. And so I went there and Sure enough, that's what led me to get invited to come to the Red Stars preseason. And that what's eventually led me into getting a full contract with them later that year. So that's how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it to stop, honestly. Can you so so take us through? Yeah. We're we're in Chicago now. I mean, you've picked up and gone to a few different places. You had a a bit of a struggling time, you know, having knee surgery, coming back from it now, but it seems like you know, everything is looking up and did you feel you were, you were ready for this opportunity? You know, having the things abroad, having that experience, did it make you feel like you were, you could, you know, handle anything at this point? I don't know if it particularly made me feel like that. I think it was just finally realizing that this was the environment that I had always been craving. Mm. Like this was going to give me that very uncomfortable feeling and was going to push me to be the best player that I could be in that that alone is what I always knew was, was the reason I wanted to play pro soccer it was never in my head I want to play in the NWSL or I want to play in the Bundesliga or I want to like it was just I want to see how good of a soccer player I could become and once I stepped foot into the Red Stars environment and playing around some of the, the best players in the world I was like this is where I want to be like whether or not I get to ideally hopefully get a contract and get paid I just felt like I was so happy being in that environment because I knew that it was going to make me better and would help me help lead me to something else better too like after Mm -hmm. that so I didn't know you know what was going to necessarily happen but when I when I got there for preseason um they they had to name it was like a 20 player roster and um I did not make the initial 20 player roster at the end of preseason. Um, but that next month, uh, Sam Kerr had to leave for Australian national team, um, like their world world cup qualifiers. And so when she left, they signed me as her like national team replacement player. So in my head, I was like, dang it. You know, like I was 21, like I was so close. Um, but I, I was so grateful to have that experience and then I ended up playing in our first game of the season. It was at Houston at, at the dash and it was super hot. Um, we had a couple people who were sick. And so that day before the game, uh, our, our coach was like, uh, everyone here is going to get in the game because we had three subs and we were all going to be used. And so I was like, okay, here we go. Like, I'm going to get in my first NWSL game. And I was just ready for it. Like, I was like, here we go. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm ready for it. So yeah, I got in the game in like the 75th minute or 71st minute. Um, I almost scored actually. I, I hit off the crossbar and I was bummed that that didn't go in. Cause I was like, man, I wonder how things would have been different if I, if I actually yeah. scored, scored the goal, but it was an awesome experience. And um, it made me really motivated to, and made me, I, I felt so much confidence from that. Obviously when you, 
when you finally get in and you mm -hmm. play in that environment and you realize that like, you can play and um, you feel just like even more, even have having even more of a desire to like do it more, you know, and to like get in more games and to mm -hmm. see how you can contribute more. And so um, I got in like, yeah, I think that game and one other game that month. And then um, when Sam came back, I was no longer under contract, but I just decided I was going to stay on and I was going to be like a practice player and hope that maybe somewhere down the road that year I could work my way into a contract, not knowing if that was even possible or like what, but I knew I wanted to stay there. Mm. So I, I did stay and um, train with the team every day. I got uh, jobs on the side. I worked in a state farm agency. I wow. worked at like, um, worked, uh, as doing like soccer clinics and doing personal mm -hmm. soccer mm -hmm. training and stuff like that to make some money. Um, and, and they, they did not give every player, um, apartments or anything at the time. I think the league is working towards that, like even practice players, but at the time, um, the red stars were, were placing practice players and new players into host families even some contracted players were, were with host families but there were so many of us I guess at the beginning that they didn't have enough host families so they actually put me and two other girls in the same family so I was living with Big a family, family and they yeah wow. they gave us like the basement and they put like two extra beds in the basement and so we just like they had a little mini kitchen down there it was actually fine you know? nice. so we, just, we had a little spot there but um, yeah, so I, I stayed there until, uh, well, then the, the WPSL season started that summer. So that's like the mm -hmm. reserve team. So then all of mm -hmm. us that were practice players, um, we played in that. And then it was right at the end of that season, um, that they signed me and one of the other reserve players to a full contract. And I think really the reason, only reason that happened was because Chicago made a trade mid season, um, and they, they traded. I think four people they traded four people and only got two two back and mm -hmm. so that's what opened up those spots for us I think they got you know I don't know it's like allocation money or like some other thing mm -hmm. so then they were able to sign us to contract and um you know there's like all kinds of things that you just think about you know so many players try to make it into the NWSL and it is such a, a difficult league to break into because there's so few opportunities there's only mm -hmm. you know 20 spots on eight teams at the time or like nine teams. And, um, I think there's a lot of luck that's involved sometimes with that, you know, there's a lot of players that have the quality to play in the NWSL, but I just think about my journey and yes, I did put my, put the time in and I, I had the right mentality and I showed up every day and I was positive, you know, and I was contributing outside of just like playing and stuff. But, um, there's also some luck in that, like there was a spot that opened up and had it not like I wouldn't have, you know, maybe gotten mm -hmm. that contract, mm -hmm. but so, so grateful for that. And, um, uh, I got in a couple more games that I think I got in a total of four games that season. So I didn't get a ton of playing time at all, but I felt like knowing that that next year was a world cup year. Um, I felt like that would, that's going to be like my chance to really contribute and, and get a lot of good minutes. Um, so the end of that, that year, um, I mean, I, yeah, I think the, I think other players share in this sometimes teams in the NWC, so I don't know how, how widespread it is, but there's not always a lot of communication. So I actually like left there and I didn't even know, are they bringing me back for next year or like what's really? going on? And I didn't find out, I found out through a, uh, a tweet 
that I was going to be like, my, my option was going to be exercised for like the next year. <laughs> so I was like, okay, good. Like I'm coming back. So then I was okay. I'm going, but I knew in my head too, that because I was new, you know, because I, I obviously wasn't getting communicated with that much that I'm going to have to work my butt off and make sure when I come into preseason that next year, I was, I, you know, I held my spot and that I, I was going to earn that spot again. And I was like mentally prepared for that and motivated to get ready for that. And so I did uh, prepared all off season. And, um, and then uh, weirdly enough, like one week before preseason started, I had like a weird thing happen with my knees and I, I was, I was training in Louisville and both of my knees just like got really swollen and filled with fluid to the point where like I couldn't even walk they were so swollen so I had to go to the hospital and they like they drained them and gave me steroid shots and did blood work and thought that I might have some kind of like autoimmune disease and Mm -hmm. so um this was one week before preseason started in my head I'm like oh no like crap I knew I had to like fight for my spot and I was nervous they were gonna be like oh she's got issues like we don't want to sign her again so I just I had I had to tell them because I was clearly not like totally myself and thank goodness actually they were able to get me in to see a rheumatologist because it takes like I think months to see them but they got me in like right away the first week I got there and um did more blood work and stuff and ended up not finding like any autoimmune disorder or anything and my trainers they were like since we don't really know what's going on with you, we want to put you on an anti-inflammatory diet and see if that helps, which is either dairy-free or gluten-free. And um, I didn't want to give up Greek yogurt. So I was like, I'll try gluten-free. <laughs> like, um, I just, over the course of those few months, like I noticed whenever I would eat gluten, my knees would feel really like hot and irritated and like oh, would start wow. to get swollen. And so I, it took, you know, really that whole month of preseason. It wasn't until like the very last week of preseason that I started to feel more normal, like running and playing. But I, I only, I only got out or I only stayed out of the very first day of practice. And then I, I was trying to play because I was like, I have to, like, I have to earn my spot here again. So I was trying to just push through it and act like everything was fine. Cause for me too, I was so confused. I was like, I don't know what's going on either, but I think I'm going to be okay if I can just get the swelling down. So, um, but anyway, that all being said, I, I was very, I felt very confident that last week of preseason, like I had earned my spot, like regardless of this, just based on the players that were there and the fact that it was a world cup year, they had increased the roster size to 22. And they said that they would be giving three supplemental roster spots as well during the year. So in my head, I'm like, okay, I for sure, like, I think I made the top 20. And I was like, well, even if I didn't, like, I for sure made the top 22. And then I was like, and even if that is not true, like, I for sure I'm in the top like 25, whatever. And, um, but I, I was totally blindsided. And like the last day of preseason, I had a meeting with the coaches and they said that they were releasing me. Um, They said that they were not able to have any more than 20 roster spots they were not using any more of those roster spots and that they felt like they had already had enough center mids and they were going to be lacking um, depth out wide during the world cup and so they were going to give my roster spot to a wide player so I was just like totally blindsided and totally heartbroken and totally disappointed and also frustrated because it was the day before rosters were due and so here I am like what do I do now? Like I can't even go anywhere else, you know? And it was like 
pretty much past the time to even get to go like overseas. And so I was just like, crap, <laughs> thanks. Like, I don't know what to do. So, um, which I think a lot of players can relate to this, like happening to them at different times. And so I contacted all the coaches in the league and asked if like anyone was still looking for, for a player, like, you know, my position, whatever. And um, the rain actually were the only ones that really responded to me um, personally to my email. And he, the president just said, you know, like, thanks for reaching out. Unfortunately, like, we're all full right now, but like, please do keep in touch as the season goes along because sometimes things can change. So I um, had to figure out what I was going to do at that point. And I, I was like, you know, I, I decided to stay in Chicago and um, like, I, I played in the WPSL again that summer at the start of that summer and was hoping that I would go play overseas. And I was working on that again, like reaching out to my contacts and connections at this point, I still didn't have an agent, but I did reach out to a couple agents because I felt like this was a time when I could probably use some help um, and have a little bit of weight to my name. And um, I, I ended up getting a call in June from the president of rain again, like out of the blue and who just said like, they lost a lot or they had a lot of players at the world cup and they had a lot of injuries and they really needed a lot of like, just, you know, reinforcements right now. So I was like, and he was like, you know, we can't guarantee you that you'll get a, a full contract, but you know, you'll have a shot at it. And like, obviously get to come here and like, you know, train with the team and, and all of that. So I was like, heck yes. I was like, yes, like I'm there, mm. I'm coming. And so I just picked up and, and went there and, didn't know what to expect and was hoping that I could try and maybe work my way in, but I had no idea like what that looked like, how many spots, like I had no idea, but I knew that this would be another great experience and uh, opportunity to play around another group of amazing players. So I, I went there and um, was there for about a month and a half. And I honestly loved it. I mean, the environment there was amazing. It was so positive. The girls were so welcoming that was actually when Vlatko Andonovsky was still the head coach, who's now the, the U.S. Women's National Team coach. And mm -hmm. he's he is an amazing coach. Like, he is so good. When I found out he was going to be the U.S. coach, I was like, yes, like, that is right. Um, and I think a lot of players share that opinion, too. But he, he met with me for, like, he wanted to, to meet with me in the, the hotel lobby just to, like, have a conversation and get to know me before, like, my first day. And I thought that was, I mean, crazy. Like the fact that he would take the time to do that for every player, you know, I don't know, if, you know, when he did that for every player, if, but the reason why was because he's so um, protective of his culture and of his environment. And he didn't, he wanted to make sure that he was bringing only people in that had the right um, energy and, you know, mentality and all of that. And, but we talked for like two hours and we just talked, you know, when to know my soccer journey, he told me his soccer journey and, um, it was just like awesome to know, um, that like the, the head coach of this, this team was, um, was so like knew the importance of that. And so I was like, this is, this is going to be awesome. And so, and, and just that whole environment too, was kind of a reflection of that. And so it was a really great experience. I think seeing, um, seeing a different NWSL environment too, and, um, making connections there as well. I did not get um, signed to a full contract when the players came back. And, um, I think I, I was, I knew that there was a good chance 
that that would be the case. Um, I think it was definitely possible. Like if I would have played better and played really well, I think it was definitely, definitely possible. But um, I also got finally, I was um, contacted by my now agent at the time. And so I signed on with him. And then right when I was released from, from rain, he was able to find me the um, opportunity to play in Finland. So then I picked up right away and then went to Finland for like the second half of that season. Wow. Amazing. I mean, I want to touch on, on these past, I mean, you can call them failures. I think failure has a, has a, um, a negative stigma to it because in the end, I mean, you were just available. You were there, you were working every day when nothing was, you know, given or nothing was promised at all. I mean, how, how did you deal with, the rejection from from the two clubs did it did it inspire you to to try harder was it hard to deal with at first can you can you tell us about that a little bit yeah I think the the Chicago one hurt a lot because it was really the first major rejection like for my I mean I guess not major I was also let go from from the team in Columbia but um this one really that like it really hurt because I think I had built up in my head so much that like I was ready for that year and I was ready for that opportunity so that did hurt um but I think at the same time like I think as you go through your journey and you play with so many different players and you play in different environments you you see that um sometimes like the difference is so small like between players almost and like things um could could go so many different ways that for me, it was like, you know, this is just my journey. This isn't a reflection of like my value or my, my complete ability, you know, it's like, but this is, this is my story and that's okay. And as long as like, I, I just stay the course and, and as long as I'm still doing the work and I'm enjoying this process, then I'm going to continue on it and see where it takes me. So I think that was, you know, I didn't get there right away, but uh, after, you know, probably like a month, I, I started realizing that and that there was a way forward for me. And I think a lot of people have said too, like, wow, you know, like I, if that would have happened to me, like I would have just been like done at that point, like it would have been the end. But like I said, for me, it wasn't ever about just like the destination. And for me, it was about the process of, of what I was going to, what I was becoming um, throughout it. So for me, that, that was allowed me to kind of just keep going and seeing where it would take me. And then every, you know, once in a while I would get that next little thing. So even just getting to go to, to the rain, I was like, this was, that was amazing. You know, that mm -hmm. was awesome. And then it led me to getting on with the agent who then got me to go to Finland. And so um, I think it just was kind of, yeah, staying, keeping my sights on what was important and, mm -hmm. and just trusting that whatever was going to supposed to happen, it would. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is, I mean, now you're going to Finland. So this is now your fourth country, including the U.S. I mean, it seems a lot of the time you're picking up and going after after one season, sometimes even less. I mean, was that difficult for you? Because you you establish these relationships with teammates, with coaches. You kind of get used to styles of play a little bit, and you start to feel like a little bit comfortable in a situation to the fact where you can now better yourself. Was it tough to just pick up and leave after, you know, not seeing, you know, um, more than one year or one season? And how were you able to improve on that each time that you did pick up and leave to go to a new country? Yeah, I think it is tough. Um, 
for sure, because you, you come, or at least, you know, starting on the professional journey, you come from college where I was for four years, I was able to be captain for two of those years. You, you build that culture and you, you know how things are and then I'm leading it, you know, and then to go. And that has always been a big part of what I feel like I bring as a player is being a leader out on, on the field. So when you go to another country where you don't speak the same language and you're in a completely new group of players that maybe already has a leader here or a leader there, like you kind of have to figure out where do I fit into that and how do I, you know, still bring some of that. And um, so I think always picking up and going somewhere new is tough because you do have to, you know, there's a learning curve. You have to learn the style of play. You have to learn the, the players around you. How do they play? How do they like to play? How can you work off of that and be efficient in that way? Uh, how do you yeah, learn the language and be able to communicate efficiently? So definitely is tough a little bit um, and, and playing with different ages of players too. Uh, like in Finland, we had a lot of young players as well. So you have to kind of work with that as well is always uh, difficult. I think when you go overseas, that tends to be the case, like in Sweden and Finland, even in Colombia, like they have some other, they have local players maybe that like are younger and that are also on the team. And so, whereas that wasn't really the case in the US, like in the NWSL. So that's another challenge too, to like bring the level up all the time. Um, but I think for me, the, the transition part never is hard. It's just like, how quickly can you get into that and then find your own rhythm in it? Mm. Right. The adaptability of it is so important. And, and where exactly were you in Finland? I lived on an island. Um, it's called Oland. And it's an island in between Finland and Sweden. And they speak Swedish on the island, but it's technically a part of Finland. Um, so, huh. yeah, it was interesting. We, we played our, our home games there on the island, but obviously our away games were on the mainland of Finland. So we would play our games like Saturdays at 2 p.m. We would get on a ferry boat on Friday night at like 10 p.m. And we would sleep in cabins on the ferry boat with like two bunk beds, you know, in this tiny little like cabin. Oh my God. We would sleep overnight on the ferry boat and we would arrive to Helsinki at like 8 or 9 a.m. in the morning. We'd eat breakfast on the, on the ferry boat. We'd get off, we'd get on a bus and we drive the rest of the way to the game when we play the game wow yeah. that's unreal <laughs> i know when i first got there i was like we're gonna do what and so how, how many hours of sleep are you getting on on these little not a lot not a lot <laughs> how long is the trip how long is the ferry i mean we left at we would leave at 11 and get there at eight. Oh my so, God. wow <laughs> yeah nine hours did you know um, this before and... you before you left so I, I actually did because one of my roommates from college, actually, she played for that club oh, wow. for two years or something before I was there. So she told me all about it. And I was like, how was that? Like, are you able to sleep? She's like, you get used to it. <laughs> you get used to it. <laughs> nice way of saying no. <laughs> yeah. The first few games I was struggling. Actually, the first game I had gotten off of the plane like that mm. day. And then we got on the ferry that night so like that first game I was just and I played like the whole game so that's I was amazing a little bit out of it yeah so but what was you the level get like a little compared. used to it, but it was tough. what's that what was the le what was the level like compared to I mean you just come from the U.S. where you're training with you know big name players 
what was that level like compared to that? And then also compared to Sweden and then also Colombia. Um, so the, the level in Finland, it was, it was decent. It, it, I think the level in Finland and the level in the second division in Sweden are very comparable. They're, okay. they're, they're quite similar. Um, I think coming from the NWSL and then going back in that environment, it's different. And like, I think just decision-making and playing smart, really, it's like, I want to say speed of play, but it sometimes to me felt like people were trying to almost rush too much because they were just making rash decisions and then getting the ball taken or, you know, like giving the ball away or making like doing a long ball when like, you don't need to, like we can play through here, or, um, move the ball around a little bit. So that was, yeah, an adjustment I had to make and like adapting back. Okay. Well, if the style is like this, then how do I bring what I bring to, to yeah. this? And how, do, you know, because I am a player that likes to play. I like to have mm-hmm. the ball on the ground. I like to break teams down by combining and like seeing the game like a puzzle and like, how can you work through it? So um, that was challenging for me, for sure, I think. Um, yeah. And then I think Colombia was, it was a good level. Players there were very talented, very technical, um, very technical and, and played fast, like, and, and they're physical, like for their size, but they all thought I was like a giant. <laughs> I was like, I'm really not that big, but they saw me as like this huge player. Um, so, I mean, the, yeah, level wise, and it was, was definitely the best level that I played in. But um, then I think probably, yeah, probably Colombia, honestly, like just playing soccer wise, I think I fit in with that style a lot better. Um, and then second division Sweden and Finland are, are good, but, but yeah, probably a little bit like a little bit lower than, than obviously like first division Sweden or maybe like Bundesliga in terms of like athleticism to overall athleticism and just tactics and decision-making. So and yeah. and uh and turkey where does uh where does where do they fit in in terms of comparing to the other leagues and places you played yeah i'm still still getting a full like handle on that because we haven't we've only played three games or four games now um and a lot of the teams are brand new a lot of the teams have brought over six foreigners as well like we have or we have five um is six the I limit think, yes yeah okay. six is the limit this year so um the the and we have a very young team uh our team we have a lot of honestly we have we have a 16 year old we start a 16 year old and a 17 year old and then and we have like 18 year olds 19 year olds 20 21 a lot in that 20 21 range and then we have like a couple of mid-20s and then we have like a 31 year old a 30 year old and then a lot of us foreigners are like late 20s um so i think the young players have a lot of potential like I actually really enjoy the style here because they at least at least from our club like we're trying to play good football and and um, play smart make good decisions but I think a lot of the clubs here um, probably are not there yet and mm. and we've played you know we played the the champions of last year Besiktas who played in Champions League and they're a good team and that like they've been I think they have like nine Turkish national team players on it and they've played together forever and they're very much like in sync and physical and they play fast. Um, so that's, that's a great level. They have a lot of experience, obviously playing in champions league. Then you have other teams that are, you know, brand new, like Galatasaray who just haven't really like meshed all together and we beat them by a lot, you know, but they have 
potential. And then you have other teams that are maybe in smaller clubs or smaller mm. areas that, you know, I'm guessing probably aren't going to be as strong. They probably mm. haven't, don't have the money to bring in as quality foreigners. And so mm -hmm. it's definitely a league that is new and is still building. Um, but I think good that they have wanted to start that process. Right. Now I read an article where you describe yourself as a, a lifelong learner. How does that, uh, well, tell us more about that. And how does that help you adapt to all these countries? I mean, it's five, including the U S five countries you've played now. Um, Finland and Sweden are maybe similar in terms of culture, but uh, yeah, in terms of in the game of football and outside of the game, how has that helped you adapt? Um, hmm, I, I think it definitely has helped me adapt because no matter where I go or what I'm doing, um, like I'm never bored. <laughs> I'm like, I'm always interested in trying something new or uh, having a conversation with someone who's different from me or making new friendships or um, just learning as much as I can when I'm in the places that I am um, outside of football, inside of football, obviously, there's always more that you can learn as a footballer. And um, the game is, it's international, but like you speak the same football language, but there's always things that you can learn depending on where you are. And um, like that is so interesting to me that I can play with players from all over the world and enjoy it and, and learn from each other in that way. Um, but yeah, I think I've just always had a really curious mind. Like I love mm. reading books. Like I'm such a nerd and I'll spend hours on my laptop, just learning about, I don't know, whatever stuff. And, um, but I think that has given me some of that desire to, to be willing to go to new places and to go and just know that there's so much out there that mm. can be learned. And there's so much out there that you don't know. It's almost like when you start like traveling, you know, you realize how much, like how many places you haven't seen or how much you don't know. And so it makes you want to like true. learn more. So I think that's always um, kind of been, been a part of my thinking as well. Um, but as you get older, you know, you balance that with also missing your family and like wanting to be there for your friends and your family and relationships. So um, I think that I will always have that lifelong learner um, piece of my personality that, you know, I think, you can take with you wherever you go but has definitely Absolutely. been a part of my soccer journey for sure too mm -hmm. for sure. i think so important to have those especially with the amount of picking up and leaving that you have to do um we're 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 uh, interested a little bit we want to uh, kind of play a little game here based on the countries that you've if we've been to if you've uh if you're willing to to entertain us sure okay doesn't even know what the game is right. says sure that's what we like so basically, we just have a, we have a few categories. Um, we're gonna chalk it up to Sweden, Finland, Colombia, and Turkey. We're gonna leave the U.S. out of this, and yeah, basically we give you which one is the best. This and yeah, just give us a little explanation. We'll see which one wins at the end. This is this is called the place is right. We've we haven't broken this one out in a while, but <laughs> like the, the wordplay. The, we yeah. haven't broken this one out in a while, but with the countries you've been to, we were like, yeah, it's time to bring it back. So the place okay. is right with Aaron Yenny. We're going to start with best English, Sweden, Finland, Colombia, or Turkey. Sweden. Sweden gets the first point like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Best food. Ooh. 
Now, we know you've only been in Turkey, Turkey for a little bit Turkey. of time. But Turkey. Turkey. No, it's gonna, oh, it's okay. gonna, that's got to be between Colombia and Turkey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. That's tough. That was a tough one. Favorite language to hear or try and practice? Spanish, Colombia. Spanish, yep. Yeah. Knew that one was coming. Favorite style <laughs> of play? Uh, Colombia. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had the pencil on Colombia yeah. already. Um, <laughs> Best place to break in as an American? Um, Finland. Okay. Why is that? It's probably between Finland and Sweden, but I was just thinking when you said break in, I think Finland is can be a good place to, when you're first starting out, it's like a solid league, but especially if you're a young player and you want to um, make a name for yourself, like you can go, like Finland is a great, because it's reputable, um it's it's professional you know you'll have you'll be taken care of there um and you can like show what you have and it can help get you to like the next place yeah mm, i like that okay best music columbia <laughs> columbia okay so this one kind of goes this also of course this one kind of goes with that best night out uh now none of us drink Columbia. here, of course, because we're all Colombia. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Salsa. Best yeah. fans. By live. Fans. By live. Um, Turkey. Turkey. Love that. For sure. Yeah. Strangest food that you came across. Um. Hmm. I guess. Oh, man, maybe Turkey. I'm trying to, okay. I feel like there wasn't anything super strange that I remember, but I am also like, I eat everything. Like the only okay. thing I don't like is olives and me too, so, but I, I can't, oh, no way. Really? Yeah. Uh, I hate olives. Yeah. yeah. The worst. Like I don't get it. Thing, I think people are, I friend... think people are lying. Yeah. I go, I go through phases. <laughs> But yeah, Turkish yeah. food is just so good. It really is. I do love Turkish yeah. food. And there's yeah. a heavy, heavy Turkish population in Germany. So the re Turkish restaurants are unreal. Yeah. The best. There's a lot of people I've yeah talked to that have like German backgrounds. Yeah. yeah. Best yeah. stadium. So we haven't played in our men's stadium yet here. Um, we had a home game, but we didn't play in the men's stadium. So I can't answer that fully yet, but second uh, best stadium because i haven't played in it but i would say columbia yeah columbia, columbia i didn't play columbia. any big stadiums in, in um in finland or sweden i didn't play any any like big stadiums well i mean gotcha. not big compared to that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. columbia takes the cake uh takes the cake. I, I could sense yeah. it a little bit when we were you you really uh like talking about columbia so i could sense it a little bit but i guess we'll see uh when we have round two, which is, you know, maybe a year from now or something, if Turkey can, yeah. can come take the cake, we'll have to see. Yeah, yes, for sure. I, the, the culture, I think just being there for the first time, being in a culture for the first time where football was life, mm. like that was right. just so cool to me, you know, because growing up in the U.S., I have two brothers and it was always basketball, baseball, football, soccer wasn't really I think obviously like all of us from the States know that, but just being then in that environment where it's like life and it is yeah. everywhere and everything mm -hmm. is like, it was, 
very cool. So amazing. Now, before we end it, um, usually we, we talk about, uh, we ask a, a guest, you know, advice you'd give to your, your younger self, but I would, I'd like to kind of talk the future and talk about maybe where do you see yourself in the next years and what do you hope that you're doing? Mm, you had to pick the hard one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's always, it's always something at the end. Yeah. I, I think, um, even though I, I honestly don't know exactly what I want to, to do when I'm done playing. Um, I, I hope that I'm able to still be a part of the game in some way and give back to the game in some way. I, I don't know that I want to have coaching be my full-time thing, but I have such a passion for, for helping, especially like young females kind of see that there's a way for them. Um, just thinking back to like my upbringing and how important I think it would have been to have someone to, to see, to be like, wow, that's possible. And you can make your own path and you can do the things that you might be afraid of or uncertain of. And, and, you know, if you have these certain things, like they can take you to great places. So I think that's what I hope that I'm able to somehow collect like all of these experiences that I've had and like put them into something that I can use to, to give to young players or, you know, to anyone that like wants to take lessons from that um, if, if, if they can. So I guess that that's the hope that I, I don't want it to just all be for myself. Basically, I want to be able to use those things and, and give it to someone um, in some way. See, this is why we put you on the spot for answers like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. I can't wait for people to hear this and good luck with everything in Turkey. We're going to be following along. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. I'm glad you guys are doing this podcast. It's cool. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for coming on. Wow. Sean, that was, that was an amazing episode. So lucky to get Aaron on. Um, she's balling right now. So look out for all things Fenerbahce, Aaron Yenny. Um, we'll post all of her socials on, on this episode and everything, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the things she said really stood out to me. I think, being able to approach that fear of change just with an open mindset, just wanting to learn at each thing. I think that curiosity is very important for people who are looking to do this. And, you know, like I, I said, and we agreed on, I think the soccer universe rewards people who are willing to take those chances, willing to put in the work and, you know, cold email, cold call people and just hop on a plane, go somewhere that maybe difficult, maybe unexpected, maybe such a culture shock, but do it anyway and take all those life lessons and, and go to the next place. Right. And she mentioned early on also that she was getting into the professional game because she wanted to see how good of a player she could become. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think having, enjoying the process and not the end result she mentioned as well. You know, we both lit up when she said that. Oh, said yeah, that. definitely. Uh, that that's what, like you said, it rewards people that have that mindset, number one. Mm -hmm. And when you can adapt and be willing to move to a new place, mm -hmm. I think the opportunities are endless for, for yeah. men and women in the game of football yeah. because it's yeah, the I world's agree. game. There's so many countries, so many leagues that if you have both of those in your arsenal, I don't think there's any reason why you couldn't get on a team somewhere. Yeah. If you're persistent enough and you keep at it, you will find a place to play. 
Yeah, and I think it's important to have the right intentions. What do you want out of this game? Do you right. want the money? I mean, if you're coming out and trying to find things and money is your first, that's your first value, you're not going to get it. Yeah. Her first value, her first value was how can I get better? How can I get pushed around by a coach or, you know, really challenged? That was her hope. So she was able to find those things. Those things are attainable. You come out looking for money. It's not, it's going to be a long, or actually it's going to be a short time because you're probably going to turn around, go into a new career. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So very happy to share that with everybody. Another amazing guest. Looking forward to part two sometime in the future. Always. Maybe after her, the end of the Turkish season. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, very cool. First guest uh, in, in the Turkish league. Obviously, the, the football culture there is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm glad to see in the women's game as well. Even though it's the first or the first year with their team, um, it looks like they're headed in, in a very good direction. Yeah, I totally agree. For all those out there, make sure you join the club, like and subscribe. All of that stuff helps. Um, Footwork.club is live and go check it out. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves. Also, Kung Fitness and Merchant Designs, baby. Follow us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Twitter is at Footwork Podcast. YouTube and Facebook, just check out Footwork Podcast. Search it. Email us if you need anything, any questions at footworkpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, plug, plug, pass. Tell your parents, Amazon delivery guy, mailman, I don't know who, just tell them. Like, subscribe, review, all of it helps. Danke.